0: This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming an innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO of Brightloom, Adam Brotman, and Chief Product Officer, Ben Straley.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Ben. And I'm Adam. Hey, uh, we are so excited today to have Ian Cook joining us on the podcast. Uh, Ian is the general manager of Solemn Build, which is a very well-known uh, and large uh, build-as-a-service firm. Um, how you doing, Ian?
2: Hi, uh, doing well. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Ben.
1: Yeah, Ian, uh, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, Solemn?
2: Uh, yeah, happy to do it. So, uh, well... Uh, maybe I'll start with me. Hi, uh, I live uh, here in Seattle. uh, And uh, I've been doing professional uh, sort of for hire software building for the better part of 20 years around here. Uh, And um, uh, that has led me to a a really fun uh, project here at Slalom. So Slalom, uh, if you don't know already is a a global uh, sort of modern consulting company, we've got about 8500 people primarily in the North America, but we've got a presence in uh, London, Australia, and we're uh, growing through Canada as well right now. And uh, Slalom basically uh, uh, is really focused on keeping uh, good consulting work happening inside of local markets, right where our clients work and live alongside of us. And then my my patch within Slalom, I, I work in Slalom Build, I lead that. And Slalom Build is the division of Slalom focused sort of exclusively on helping Slalom's customers get good at uh, modern technology work and specifically um, taking good care of that new digital customer. So excited to be here with you.
0: Uh, thanks, Ian. It's great to have you. You know, we, we've we actually worked at Brightloom. We've worked with Slalom a little bit. And when we were back at Starbucks, we worked with Slalom. So big, big fans of what you do and your team does. And, you know, I we know from our experience that you work with a wide range of companies. Um, but specifically when it comes to uh, consumer brands. Um, you know, what kind of problems do you help these brands solve? You know, we're as people who listen to our podcast know, we're, you know, we're fascinated by the whole topic of, you know, what's happening with the digitization of customer relationships. And I'm sure you're running up against a whole bunch of different companies that are seeing that same phenomenon and you're helping them. Can you help us get a sense of what kind of problems you're helping them solve?
2: Sure. Certainly. Well, um, Oh, oh boy, that's kind of a big one. So, um, <laughs> like what are we helping them solve so yeah um maybe i'd start by saying that i i think every client we have and and certainly most especially um our clients the companies that are, are are taking care of um digital customers specifically consumers people that rely on these companies and their brands to take good care of them provide something uh different all all these companies have something in common they have um, plans ideas beliefs about what they can offer their customers, regardless of the industry, that would make things really a lot better for everybody. And most of those ideas, I I would sort of categorize as industry disrupting ideas. They've got big plans. That's one thing they all have in common. I just, it's very rare to find a a company that isn't there. The other thing they have in common is that there is a growing recognition that they as organizations, need to become very, very good and fluent at modern technology. They need to become software companies, honestly, in order to get those big mm-hmm. ideas. And that, that takes a lot of these organizations by surprise. Um, and that's where we tend to get involved. I, I noticed that we get called right at that moment where that sort of aspiration to change things uh, collides with a Gosh, how do you build software?
0: Got it. And then what, what, when, when you find that happening, I'm curious, what are like the most typical, you, I like how you put it, it, you know, things, it kind of takes these companies by surprise. Like, wow, I, I have this big idea. I want to go do it. And then they, they sit down with you or your team and they realize, all right, we got to think like a software company. we got to think like a tech company. What do, what are some of the things that, that are the, that they didn't even think about like the things that like, that, you know, you know, big, big problems or big, opportunities that they they're that they're like oh my god that's right i, I did not even thought about that like what, what what are some of those surprises oh the most common theme
2: it, it, and it goes something like uh hey i'm a i'm a disruptor whether i'm in personal storage or i'm in fitness or i'm in even insurance products or the financial services i'm a challenger bank i'm part of uh uh you know a media and entertainment play whatever it could be i think when that realization comes that their big idea is inhibited by their technical fluency. What they look for is help with, big surprise, technology. They sort of go out on, uh, in a search for help, companies maybe like ours that have some good capability with um, you know, the technology tools and software writing and all that which is how we typically meet them. It's with that question. And it's sort of a little bit of, uh, since our clients often at that point don't feel particularly good at that, it's a little bit like, hey, prove to us that you know how to do good technology, that you're relevant at that. When ironically, and here's the surprise, this is the surprising part of the question. This is the thing that we have to get past really early on in that quest. is that as professional software writers, we know that the problem is almost never, their big idea is not actually inhibited by something like technology the technology is so good now the actual challenge and this is where we show up in that sort of that first meeting is actually getting a really clear handle on what that new digital customer wants to have that new digital customer that this client of ours wants to serve in a new way that new digital customer that's already overwhelmed with so many different offers they have a ton of different technology their, and our customer wants to give them some more so we surprise them by saying mm-hmm. hey we' to you about how great we are at things like software writing, cloud and machine learning. But would you first give us permission to talk with you and actually more specifically to talk directly with your new digital customers to find out what they really like? That surprises them.
0: Oh, that's that's interesting. In other words, you're saying that you're they they a lot of these brands will come to you with they they in their mind they they they've got these big disruptive ideas. They they think they've got a handle on what their digital strategy should be they come to you just just with the technology solution and it turns out that they might have had a big idea but they didn't really have their digital strategy or their their customer experience vision completely nailed down and you're you're in there saying look before we get into the technology solution or tactics let's spend a little bit more time on the actual you know what experience are you trying to create what what's the digital strategy
2: Adam spot on yeah i mean i could go for a long time on that but i think you summarized that really well that's right
0: Huh, interesting.
1: Well, can you actually uh, expand on that a little bit, um, Ian, just in terms of how you and your teams kind of approach that discovery period where you're really seeking to learn and, and gain insights from, uh, from the customers that you're working with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, so on this one, so coming back to it, here we have a, a client that is wanting to disrupt, they want to do something disruptive, they have a big idea. Typically, if they're calling or they're asking for help, they're calling us, they have been somewhat frustrated with their previous attempts to get that idea into the hands of people that need it, These this new digital customer. And they have, at this point, pretty well characterized it as a technology problem. If we could just find people that knew how to write software really well, or knew how the latest and greatest features out on AWS, Azure, or GCP worked, that we would we would get this help if we had java writers if we had machine or data scientists or whatever it would be and um that is a particularly tricky inflection point because for us those things are very commonplace what we don't know at that point that our clients actually know a lot more about is the users the people the human beings that would benefit from what they're contemplating but what we've actually also found out is that most companies Even actually woke up modern product companies tend to, it's, they tend to invent a lot of their big ideas in a boardroom where it sounds really good. They high five each other and then they call us and they've got big budget. They want to go they want to go do something. And what what got missed in that was um, putting our hands on a real user. Let us give you a quick example of the type of thing we were thinking collectively, if you had access to an A, B or C. If we could give you a screen, a mobile application, a physical device that did the following, would you like that? Now that that conversation almost, it, it, it seems sometimes with some clients, they get really excited and they're like, oh my gosh, you're talking about getting more connected to my customer, let's do that. There are some clients <laughs> that we get that are like, frankly, who do you think you are? We're, we're not asking like that. We need to know yeah. if we can or not. We know who our, our customers are. And I just can't tell you, for those, for those clients, I can't tell you how many times we've politely challenged that. I And you do need to be quite polite at this point to say respectfully, would you please allow us to validate these ideas with real people? Trust me, and sometimes we would have an offer to do that on our dime to prove the value. And so much, I've never seen that happen where our clients haven't been truly surprised at what their new digital customers want them to do. But Usually, just for the record, some portion, they were on to something. Our clients are invariably on to something. They're close. But when we really wire that feedback loop with the human beings that would benefit from it, they get much more dialed in. Uh, and that's as simple as features on an app, sure, but absolutely including the type of things that uh, that you help take care of, like uh, the ecosystem, the overall experience, the loyalty program, the mm-hmm. sense of community. That respectful set of offers that are made just at the right time, that are wanted when they're wanted and not wanted when they're not, that's what we'll discover much more quickly when we get into that conversation and move past technology.
1: Yeah, the um, the the power of sort of rapid prototyping and being able to show uh, show people what what is possible, uh, and to connect that to the the core insight around the customer problem or the customer need is such a, such a powerful approach to um, not just selling ideas in, but actually delivering something that's going to really uh, have impact. Um, Are you, are you able to share any examples or case studies from some of the work you've done at Slalom uh, that sort of fits this, this approach?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So one of the ones that comes to mind and this was a this is a partnership that's gone on for several years for us, um, and it culminated in a big launch in 2018. So they're, they're, our customer is Nautilus, so um, that's a household brand, Right. Most people listening to the podcast will probably know that Nautilus um, sells home exercise equipment. In 2016, 2017, and I, if I'm honest, Ben and Adam, I don't remember exactly when it was, but Peloton came out and disrupted the uh, home fitness industry. They did some counter. and They did some um, unconventional things. They connected that experience of working out at your house with a community. They put mm-hmm. it on a screen. They you coaching. They gave you so many other things. Happen all at once, and then Nautilus. Nautilus, who had a lot of expertise, they they understood how to make safe, robust, really, really well built home exercise equipment that could be trusted. The problem is, it was a new so. <laughs> and they uh, i would also point out they had a wonderful product development capability as long as that product meant a really robust piece of home exercise equipment that you could buy at a local retailer and they had no story and i i think they would probably support me if they were right on the podcast with us right now and saying they had no literally zero digital connection with their customers at that point none at all so they were really taken um off guard by what peloton did and i'm I can't tell you how grateful I am that they considered partnering with us to go after that. And so what we did go after that opportunity specifically. So um, it took us about 12 months, I think, 12 to 18 months to get something released. And what we ultimately built for them uh, was on top of what they already had going. They already had really great exercise equipment. We didn't need to tackle that, but what we did need to do was connect the user's um, workout with um, a screen. And when we started to open that conversation up and we had a digital customer, now they stopped being an analog customer, the analog customer of a uh, piece of exercise equipment, the Max Pro Trainer, I think was the specific device we were working on at that point, which if you haven't seen it, uh, I have uh, both the Peloton and a Max Pro. Um, the Max Pro starter, it looks like a stair climber on steroids.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I'm dying to get the Max Pro. I, I want the Max Pro, man. I've been seeing the ads for it.
2: <laughs> so that thing, Me too. Um, what we did is we, we were able to connect telemetry between the, the Max Pro, the device, so that a person could see as they were using it, how many RPMs were they doing? What was the tension set at? They could also ask for coaching right there and say, well, hey, kind of where you're at, um, what's your heartbeat doing? Do you want to have this? What are your long-term fitness goals? Do you want to be an ultra marathoner? Do you want to just be in shape? And from there, the customer could decide and get coaching, real coaching, on how how to use the machine. That was the first step. And then, as you can imagine, it quickly, you're a hop, skip, and a jump at that point from, hey, I'd like to know about, um, uh, I'd like to be able to take a class online. I'd like to have you offer me training that could up my game that I didn't, wasn't aware of, I'd like to subscribe to um, fitness content, and exercise programs with modelists that I wasn't otherwise aware of. And in our latest incarnation of this, the question of community and actual live training sessions is kind of uh, you know, right there on the horizon. That would be an example, if we go back to where we started the conversation of a, uh, of a company who has forgotten more than I'll ever know about how to make safe exercise equipment that people love, that had a big idea. They were challenged in the market by Peloton. And what they wanted to do was show how their equipment, if connected to people in a digital way, could even be better than what the alternatives were out there. But, and they had technologists and all sorts of other manner of great folks at their team, but they were inhibited in, in their mind by their ability to sort of go put all that to work. To try out those lean metaphors, that rapid prototyping, to get cloud native technology built that's scaled, and that's where I'm proud to say we could help them in that case.
0: You know, that's such an interesting example, Ian, because I can imagine <clears throat> on both on on multiple dimensions. If here you are, you're a you're a consumer brand, you know, you're a manufacturer of equipment, and all of a sudden you realize like, wow, the future of where I probably need to go as a, as this consumer brand is I need to become a content company. I need to become a social network almost. And I also need to become a technology company. So there's our our software technology company. So there's like, all of a sudden you, it it wasn't just you have to disrupt yourself or reinvent yourself in one way. You, you have to do it in multiple ways. And, you know, I think it's really exciting. I'm I'm curious when you, when you encounter that kind of a situation, I'm sure that happens a lot now. I'm sure like every every company is getting their flywheel on, right? They're like, okay, I can't just be one dimensional anymore. I got to think about this digital customer relationship. What does that mean for my particular brand? And now all of a sudden they realize, okay, I don't have muscle in a couple of these areas. What what in that example you just gave, but just in general also, what what is some of Where do you think it's the hardest for for companies to like where where is the change curve the steepest is it is it on the technology side or is it on the mindset side or you know okay and i'm not talking about just that one example but just in general what what have you found
2: it's the mindset um what made you good what yeah you and i'm talking presumptively about a disruptive customer like nautilus or um any of the other clients that we have what what got them to the place where they have this discussion is that they're really really good and they're really sharp about some product or service that 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 is very relevant in the industry that's where they come with their expertise their management is hired because they understand all about that um and they they really take good care of that nautilus's case is fitness i could give you hundreds and hundreds of other examples and it gets the the biggest thing is the mind shift front mind shift from okay up to this point the market rewarded me because i was understood my core domain my industry discipline really well fitness and now all of a sudden the games changed on me the market the consumers the people that trust me they're actually requiring me to get good at a whole bunch of other stuff i haven't trained to do per se i mean i know about it but i haven't trained for it right right that mind chefs mind mindset shift is kind of a big one, Um, now, it's a lot easier today. Five years, 10 years ago, we were trying to figure out if the cloud could help us. Five years ago, that conversation sort of fell by the wayside and many companies, I'm speaking in generalities, were wrestling with the question, can we make software well enough to take care of this new digital customer? Can we do that? Legitimately, how do you do that? Today, I think that question has largely been answered the companies think that they can, or they can get help to do it. I think the next big question I'm seeing, and it's one I have, I'm exploring too, personally, is, okay, now that now we know how to make software, we know how to get the benefit of uh, pieces of democratized technology like the cloud that, uh, and machine learning that we never had before. We can have, we can punch in that way. How do we use that? Let me be specific. We now talk a lot primarily, especially in consumer facing products about, Predictive analytics. We talk about probabilistic outcomes as opposed to deterministic, which is a fancy way to say, can we make a good guess at to what people are going to want, and politely, art, uh, artfully give them offers or suggestions that don't feel intrusive. Well, I'm finding that it is a yet another mindsets um, uh, shift. It is a skill set that leadership teams are developing to be to gain a relationship with how to think about probabilistic decision-making. That's actually not something any of us learned in school and most of us, at least me, didn't grow up making decisions that way and thinking about customers in that fashion. And so many more customers, given the um, the ubiquitous availability of very sophisticated machine learning techniques and all the data to go along with it are confronting that um, I think right now that's that's to me where most of the conversation is.
1: What um what is uh what is the use case or an example that comes to mind uh, uh, where this is kind of front and center for for you and the work that you're doing with uh your your clients?
2: So um most of the true the big machine learning stories that I have right now, I've got a fun one that I saw last week. Um they, uh, I'm trying to. Some of the best ones I have right now, I, I have to admit to you, aren't totally consumer facing. I'll pick one that is consumer facing. Yeah. Uh, just for the moment. That's okay.
0: You, ben, 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 and I have been totally geeking out on this topic. So you can go, you can go B 2 B, B 2 C, whatever. Just and, you're talking, and, if you're talking predictive models, you're going to be you're going to be making us happy here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, before uh, before we we dive in, and I'm just I want to clarify something because I think. Um for the, for the, you know, millions, tens of millions of listeners of this podcast, they may not understand clearly sort of the when you talk about probabilistic, when you talk about predictive analytics or machine learning, even, can you just provide a bit more color around what, what you mean and what it means in the context of the work that you're doing for these customers? I
2: certainly will, as long as none of the machine learning tribe from my team listen to this podcast. <laughs> They're
0: going to shake their head when I do. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah we, we, we know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Hey, so uh, <laughs> uh, here's um, basically what I, what I mean by that. We have tremendous amounts of data, um, and I'll pick Nautilus just as an example of that. When we launched Nautilus on Black Friday of 2018, so right after Thanksgiving, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, they had zero data, zero data, none at all, on how people use their exercise equipment. Just didn't have it. It wasn't a part of their world. A year later, they had a million workouts.
0: uh, Oh, that's interesting. That's amazing. Okay yeah, you t- so it's funny I' just to, just to interrupt you. that's interesting. you you turned the you know the stairmaster and all these other great pieces of equipment they make into connected fitness devices, you know like like almost like wearables. Also this data just sort of flowing in on what was before that just a, a great device that was unconnected.
2: You got it. Well, now here's the thing. and this comes back, Ben to your question, for people that maybe don't spend all their time in the space like we do you know, kind of what do we mean by predictive analytics? Like that sounds fancy talk for what? Well, in Nautilus's case, now I have a million workouts with many minutes and heart rates and all these other things that happen during those workouts. And there is a way for me, um, especially because the, um, the users of the fitness equipment um, gave Nautilus permission to take a look at that and to tell them if there was anything they personally could be doing better to optimize their workout or be more safe. So now here you are, you're Nautilus, and you're trying to take good care of these people that are, that are taking care of themselves. Uh, they're, they're being physically fit and they're exercising in their homes. And the number of things that you could do with that are kind of endless, but you have to make some bets. You have to guess a little bit. It is really hard, given the number of workouts and all the users, to make deterministic. That's our fancy term for saying we know exactly what they're going to want at any given point. We've got perfect insight into it. Instead, what you do is you look at the data and you make some guesses. Hey, if we were to, we're, we're guessing that probably, based on how we're seeing people using our equipment, they would really benefit from um, a, uh, a warm down um, segment of their workout where they actually rest a little bit and they sort of ease out of the, the, the peak performance. We think, that a lot of our people would benefit from that. And the reason that leads us to that conclusion is as we look at the average heart rate over this whole uh, experience, It leaves we're at 150 to 160 beats per minute, I don't know. Uh, they know that, I don't know that, I made that up. But um, hey, we're gonna start by recommending that everybody take a worm down. One other note, Based on how people respond to that, we're going to actually get something else out of this. We're going to understand how amenable our users are, or are the people that write our uh, StairMaster. We're going to understand how uh, open they would be to us providing them offers of any kind. Then within that, based on the different demographic segmentation of our, we could make some bets on Uh, when we should make certain content available. Like when are times where we Nautilus could show off and drop new content that would have max appeal to certain demographics? We're going to make some bets. We're going to probably figure out when that happens and then measure our results. And um, not only that, and this is where the machine learning, so that's probabilistic versus deterministic, of course. Now, where machine learning comes in on that is just really taking it to the next step so that there's a continuous feedback loop where the, the computers are current are on an ongoing fashion calculating how effective the modeling was and grading the model and improving it. That technology used to be science fiction for any but the most technical companies on earth. If you were Nautilus, that was out of reach for you five years ago. You couldn't possibly do something like that. Only really well-known. Microsoft or um, I, I could, uh, you know, Google uh, for Facebook. These kind of technical juggernauts could do that. Now you can do it. Now Nautilus can do it, and it opens up this huge, wide range of possibility. The technology isn't an issue. Back to the then the question: the mindset. Mindset is: what would I do with that if I could? What? How do I shift from what I think to what I can learn? using this stuff and then
0: get the machines better. learning That's that is super interesting. Because I mean, again, as you keep talking about these examples, what I find so interesting is that, you know, we've now said, okay, you've gone from a consumer brand, that's really good at something that's hard b- making, you know, state of the art fitness equipment and a range of fitness equipment under multiple brands. And now, you have to be good at community data science, cloud-based software, uh, software UX to allow people to sort of, you know, and, and, and then content you have to sort of produce videos and send messages. And I mean, so you're literally talking about, you know, um, having to do all, having to become like this multimedia tech company, um, you know, with data science capabilities. I mean, it's just really interesting when they, let me ask you when they come to slalom And they come to your team, you talked about like, so, you know, they come to you and they usually have this, this good idea, this big idea, you know, look, we should do connected community based stuff as well. And then you're like, okay, but let's, and they, they probably tell you a little bit what they have in mind. And then you say, well, hold on a second. Can we validate some of the things you're, you're thinking and talk to your customers and whatever. And that, that's, that's probably a big, what I find interesting, let's dig in on this for just a second that's probably a big moment for the brand to, and, and I think you've said you have to be careful, you have to be courteous and, you know, sensitive, but that's probably a big moment for the brand, whoever you're dealing with to sort of put their ego aside for a second and realize, cause you know, it's not an easy thing to suddenly go from being one kind of business to five kind of businesses. So how could they be expected to be great at all that stuff? But they, you know, they probably, you, you probably have to sort of, get them to realize that they have the right direction, but, you know, you can help them with their, with some of their thinking. I mean, is that, is how, how do you sort of wrestle with that? Like, is it, you know, you sort of convince them that it's hard and talk about all these things or how do you sort of approach the fact that these probably digital leaders or marketing leaders or tech leaders, you know, they, they're right, but they, they've got some stuff to learn as well.
2: Oh, Adam, how long do you have? Um,
0: <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> I'm I, I trying to answer that in a succinct way. I, that is where, uh, and this is what makes me proud to be at Solemn and our core values show through, uh, is we show up with some humility and authenticity. Because the truth is, again, I don't know how to make great fitness equipment that people want to use. And I didn't train to do that. And there's so much about that I don't understand. Um, so having <laughs> Our clients universally, I have not had a client that isn't very sharp, a leader in their industry and really very, very good at what they do and very smart. Um, and a couple of things I use to help with that, you're right, there's some tension when that happened. It goes a little bit like, hey, I didn't ask you for this advice or this input, thank you, um, stay in your lane come here to talk to me about all these technical things. There's a couple of different ways we diffuse that. And I would just tell any client at, before I'm doing it that I was gonna do it. <laughs> so and I would, happy to share our secret. It goes like this. If I want them to learn some new things, I have to show off that I learned new things. So I actually tell them about all the times we messed up. I tell them every single project where I ended up having to pay a client to get it right, to fix what I thought I was doing because I, I didn't, where I where I did it the wrong way. Sometimes of course, uh, that does have to do with building software that a customer didn't and ultimately use, but there are other examples. And I use that authenticity um, the way I hope they would with their end user. I model that and say, hey, listen, um, I'm still in the right business. I, I I love doing this and I love doing it with companies like you. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, even as an expert, I've been wrong about exactly how to do it right or exactly what my customer, like you really needed and The only way to do that, there's hard work. Now that's, that's the lovable way. Here's the hard way. And I won't engage with you if you won't let us talk to your customers with you. <laughs> so like, <it's
0: laughs> well, that yeah, that'll, 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 that'll usually that will probably get them, but that's it. I love what you're saying. I mean, you're basically saying that you, you know, you listen to them, you empathize, but then you, you let your guard down and you show some vulnerability to, um, put them in a a place where they feel safe being vulnerable with you. And that tends to sort of help, uh, get them to sort of, you know, be more open-minded to the fact that you could probably help them with some of those things. That that's, that's great. That's a great technique. Um, now let me, let me just switch gears with you for a second here. So now outside of slalom, outside of these examples, uh, you're a consumer, you're a digital consumer. You know, you told us earlier that you've got the Starbucks app. And so we, we love you. Uh, and we think, we think you're a great digital consumer. Um, and you know, can you give us some examples? I mean, you know, particularly, particularly in the pandemic, you know, con- particularly during COVID, but just in general, you know, what are some of your notable digital experiences that you were like, God, that's, I, that was really interesting that they, they connected with me, that brand connected with me using digital in a way that you weren't expecting or that you really enjoyed. Can you think of any other than Starbucks? If you want to talk about Starbucks, sure. that's fine too
2: well um okay boy um well i'm a I'm a big fan i i am a loyalty member of starbucks um although um they and I, wow, well, i do appreciate when Starbucks reminds me that I'm about to lose my ability to redeem my free coffee uh I appreciate that helpful hint um but i uh, so the one okay well i'll i'll just say this the one um uh that stands out to me right now is is a little bit different. I got to give Nordstrom's some props a little bit. And the reason I say that is in our house, um, I'm the one, uh, we have uh, four kids uh, and my beautiful and talented wife uh, doesn't always want to buy herself or the kids new clothes. And I'm the one who kind of, uh, she, I advocate that we do that and uh, push on that a little bit. And um, so I really appreciate um the Nordstrom experience, they're going out of their way to change that up so that you can sort of model what it looks like a little bit and you can get a sense of whether you're ordering something that that will fit you. I thought that was cool because I didn't, I, I'm in technology for a living. And as much as I know all the cool stuff you can do with technology, when that showed up unexpected, I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. But also the other thing I would just say is I would give a shout out uh, since I'm on your podcast and there are tens of millions of people listening to it. Uh, I want to give a shout out, a shout out to all of those um, small boutique retailers, either clothing retailers or anybody else that in the pandemic decided to go online and to take that plunge and um, it lemon or lemonade out of lemons a little bit. And that group, um, I've seen a lot of examples of that. And I just think it's amazing um, what they've done there. So.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it is amazing to see the the pace of, of innovation in these very small, relatively speaking, small scale ways. Just there are certain restaurants near where we live, and it seems like each time we order and then go into pickup, they've refined the pickup experience a little bit and the packaging and made it a little bit better each time. And I am. I'm a big believer in the the stickiness and and the enduring nature of a lot of these innovations that are going to last well beyond uh, whenever we come out of the pandemic and and um, go forward. And so, totally plus one to what you were just saying Ian, about um, the the local merchants, small businesses that are making a go of it, and actually finding some success. Um, it's, it's really remarkable. And I think it's teaching larger businesses and, and industries, some very valuable lessons about, um, how to adapt and what consumers are going to expect, uh, in the future. Agree. Well, um, I think on that note, uh, we can, we can wrap things up and, uh, say thank you again to you, Ian. This is a really, um, great conversation, you know, as, uh, you know, as a company that that works a lot with uh, business leaders, and on this podcast, we talk to a lot of business leaders. Um, you are the first, I think, builder. I would I would call you a builder who is really leading these very large and high impact engagements that are about building solutions for big consumer businesses and for for B two B businesses. And so, it's great to get your perspective on what you're seeing, what you're learning and what you expect, uh, in the future. So thank you again for sharing, uh, your time with us and with our listeners.
0: And yeah, uh, and by the way, can I, and I just want to say plus one to that, Ben, uh, you know, this, we, if you're gonna have a great digital customer experience, you, you know, oftentimes you'll hear about people will compliment companies that are, have great digital experiences by saying, oh, they're a tech company masquerading as a whatever. And, you know, and you did a great job of giving everyone a behind the scenes of like, What does it mean to become a great tech company if you weren't a tech company but you need to become one so thank you that was that was fantastic yeah i need to go hit the gym by the way (laughs) it was my pleasure Uh, inspiring uh, inspiring
1: exactly
2: thank you so much
1: thanks very much thanks adam great great discussion uh that's our show for today please stay tuned for next week when we're joined by another customer focused leader until then take care bye guys
0: Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.